Welcome to today's Pizza Pod podcast. Today's guest is Andy Brink. I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to describe Andy Brink. He has many, many titles. He's an athlete, played golf and hockey at the University of Minnesota. Uh, he's also a longtime hockey coach. He's a parent, hockey parent, uh, hockey player, and now he runs Breakaway Academy with his good friend, Dave Snugger, who's been on this podcast as well. We're going to talk about his career as an athlete, as a coach, as a parent, and as a teacher at Breakaway Academy. Hope you enjoy today's show. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire well, good afternoon, good morning, Mr. Brink. How are you doing today? I'm doing lovely. Thanks for having me. Well, this should be fun uh, as doing research before the show and ch- chatting with you before the show. There's a lot of ground to cover. You're not even 50 years old yet. 46, the same age that uh, Jack Nicholas was when he won the Masters. Oh, here we go. Here we go. You, you, I'm sure you could tell me a few stories about Jack as well. Uh, I was a big fan, still am. Um, I We didn't even plan out, out this this part of the show, we'll get to you being a golfer. Uh, Dave Snuggard, you and Dave, I've coached a few different uh, teams with you guys, are one of the best locker room speech deliverers of all time. I can't du- duplicate it, but Dave told a story to a group of kids that had never heard of Jack Nicholas, barely could name him as a golfer. It was about him finishing second. A number of times he'd finish second. He goes into this thing. It was a great thing. It was basically teaching young men how to be good young men. Shake your shake hands with your opponent. Respect your opponent. And later on, he said, "Yeah, Brink told that one about ten times. It's the best story ever." So every good story <laughs> always comes back to Andy Brink. Yeah. So is is that what you got out of the game of golf? There's so much as a golfer myself that I got out of the game of golf. Yeah, um, I, I think for me, golf was just uh, especially growing up in Bemidji. Um, the scene we had up there uh, when I was a young kid, uh, I was born in 1974, so at the course all the time, like in the early 80s, mid-80s, um, and then um, I graduated high school in 1992, but it was just like Caddyshack. There was a ton of kids running around. We had a great junior golf program. We had great high school golfers. We had had a great uh, PGA Tour player named Bill Isleson. Who had, Izzy. Yeah, Izzy. Everyone knows him as Izzy, who went through Bemidji, and a lot of people don't know it, but Izzy was a really good hockey player as well played on Bemidji's um, 74 um, uh, team that lost in the state finals to Edina in hockey. Uh, and Bill was a real good defenseman on the team. Gary Sargent would have been a sophomore on that team. But um, every kid growing up in Bemidji wanted to be Izzy. You wanted to be like Bill Isleson. You wanted to have that big tour bag when he came back to town. And and he had the big ping bag and the uh, ping I-2s. And, um, and uh, so we had a great scene up there. But golf for me was always fun, going to the golf course, I'd play with my buddies. It was a riot. We, you'd do stupid things out on the golf course. There'd be an older member that would tell you to knock something off, and you would, and you'd behave. But the Bemidji Town and Country Club was the greatest place in the world for a kid to grow up when, um, uh, when I was a young kid. And you guys had a bunch of rinks, too. It wasn't like a lot of – you probably didn't skate a lot outdoors, did you, growing up in Bemidji? Well, um, we had a lot of access to the indoor ice, but we had the greatest outdoor rink ever. It was called Cameron Park in Bemidji. It was right down by BSU. And so a lot of times... How far was that walk from your house? Yeah, it was probably a uh, three and a half mile walk. Oh, really? But my parents would always give me a ride down to the rink and they'd drop you off. And that was back before cell phones. 
And so there was a phone inside the rink. You'd have to ask the, the rink attendant to let you use the phone when you wanted to go home. And I'd call my dad and say, Dad, I'm ready to go home. Pick me up. And, of course, two hours later, he would pick me up. <laughs> and uh, so, of course, he'd stay on the ice and skate. But it was a great place because we get a lot of the Bemidji State kids would come down. A lot of the students would come down and play pickup hockey with us. So it was always a, we'd always get a great game going. And then when I would ride the bus home, elementary and middle school, the bus would go by about 3.30 past Cameron Park, and I could see the water truck was down there. And so then the goal was always get home, have something to eat, uh, put on your outdoor rink stuff, which, you know, back then was shin pads and, and you'd layer up with long underwear and, and, you know, the old sweat, cotton sweatpants and a sweatshirt. And, and uh, you want to get down there and skate on the fresh ice. Um, so it was always a race oh, yeah. to get down there. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about growing up in Bemidji. Your parents, they were from nearby Bidette, right? And yep. They settled in Bemidji, both parents. Talk about your parents' names, what they did for yeah. a living. Yep, my dad's uh, name is Lyman. Um, he was a school teacher in Bemidji for 35, 40 years, just retired here maybe 10 years ago. Grew up in Baudette, and and uh, maybe his childhood would have maybe rivaled mine for being uh, really fun because he grew up on Lake of the Woods. Um, he grew up uh, fishing all the time on Lake of the Woods. He grew up playing hockey and baseball. His dad was um, my grandpa. Grandpa Brink was the only doctor in Bemidji or in Baudette for 35 years. And so uh, my dad's life was just hunting, fishing, playing uh, baseball, playing hockey. Uh, played with a great player in Baudette named Wally Olds, who passed away a couple oh, of years yeah. ago. Was a great player for the Gophers, was an All-American, played in the NHL. Uh, uh, when I was a kid, Wally would swing by our house all the time in Bemidji to stop and say hi and and visit with my mom and dad because he went to high school with them. And then my mom grew up the same way. I grew up in Bemidji, or in Bada, excuse me, and uh, her uh, mom and dad had a resort on Lake of the Woods called Trails End. And then my grandfather, uh, Grandpa Erickson, um, bought um, a gas station in Bada and lived there uh, for many years and then moved away and bought some hotels in different places. So um, even though I grew up in Bemidji, really strong ties to Bada and um, still have a, a family cabin on Rainy River and um, love to go up there every summer to go fishing and bring my boys up and uh, really have a blast with that. All right. So how did you, growing up in Bemidji, what, what, did you play every sport? Cause you're a pretty athletic guy. I mean, did you play more than just golf and hockey? I'm sure you played the other ones as well. Yeah. Um, I really loved baseball and I, and, um, at least to my memory, I was a great baseball player. <laughs> I, I love to tell people that all the time. I loved playing second base, and I loved Glenn Hubbard from the Atlanta Braves. He was a second baseman, and the only reason I knew that was because in Bemidji, we got two channels for baseball. You got WGN, so you saw all the Chicago games, so Steve Sachs and Leon Durham and, um, and, and um, Brett Butler and all those great players. Um, and then you always got um, TBS out of Atlanta. The so Braves. you saw all the Braves games, so Dale Murphy and – um, uh, and so I loved baseball, uh, then really got into golf and loved playing golf. And, and Bill Isleson, who I mentioned earlier, the tour player from Bemidji, his backyard intersected with my parents' backyard. And so, uh, when Izzy'd come to town, it'd be like a celebrity came to town because he was out playing the PGA tour. And, um, and, um, uh, so, um, I would sneak over to his house about six in the morning. I'd walk right into his house. I went open the door. He'd be sleeping down in the basement. I'd wake him up, and he would come out to the golf course. He'd drive me out and would, would play with about, there was, you know, I don't know, maybe five or six other kids that would jump in with us, and we'd play with Izzy. We'd play like a seven-some and go play 18 holes. He was always really generous with his time that way. And anyone who's met Izzy knows he has a great personality. And so, so when I was a young kid, I wanted to be a golfer because I wanted to be like Billy. So was Izzy also a mentor to you as well, to, you know, pointed you the right direction or, you know, give you lessons, that kind of thing? Yeah, well? you know what, the, um, he never told me a whole lot about uh, golf. Um, I just remember he'd come to town and I'd shake balls for him. 
Uh, you know, uh, back then it was a Bellotta golf ball. He'd, he'd show up with a big, you know, nice leather bag full of brand new Titleist uh, Bellottas. And uh, he would hit wedges and short irons. And I'd go up with my baseball glove out on the range in Bemidji and shag for him. And he, you know, he was so good. He would just one bounce him right into me. I'd catch him on the fly. And then my payment, which was the best part, is he'd bring me into the clubhouse and we both would have a burger together, a burger and a Coke. And so, and I remember I ate my burgers the same way he did. He would eat it with no cheese, plain burger. He'd take the bun off and just put a ton of salt on the burger. And so that's how I always ate my burgers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that golf course, it's a pretty special place. I've, I've played in the Birchmont. It's, it's a great, talk about the course growing up there. Yeah. The town and the course's yeah. openness to letting juniors play because it wasn't easy to get acceptance into golf courses. It was expensive actually in the cities to yeah, play. Yeah, and especially with like a, such a short golf season like that we have in Minnesota, but then especially in Bemidji, uh, you right. get further north. Um, it's it, probably 30, 45 days less than the Twin Cities. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, spring is not very nice and fall and winter come really early. Uh, but uh, we had a great group of guys up there, um, older guys who loved the juniors and they wanted the juniors to play. And I think a big part of that, though, was, again, Bill Isleson coming through there, being such a great player. Um, they wanted more kids to come through um, Bemidji Golf and do well. And so we had some great guys up there. Larry Perkins, the old coach, uh, Jim Mergens, who just passed away, who was my other high school coach, um, Don Niskanen, um, all kinds of great old guys who... Um, um, Gordy Scar, who they have a big golf tournament that supports uh, Beaver Hockey um, or Beaver Athletics. Uh, these guys wanted the kids to get to play. And so when I was a kid growing up, the only day you couldn't play was Thursday. You just couldn't play Thursday. That was men's day from noon till, you know, the end of the night. Other than that, you had free reign. That's pretty cool. That's yeah, pretty cool. And, and for a school teacher's kid, it was affordable to play the game. Yeah, the only time I ever got in trouble was, uh, you know, we'd, you'd buy the membership um, out there, and with it came a $300 credit for golf or for eating in the dining room. And I was out there so much that I burned through the $300 in the first month. And I remember my parents chewing me out. <laughs> so so the rest of the summer was peanut butter and jelly. I'd have to bring a lunch with me all the time. Uh, I get that. Yeah. I get that. All right, so growing up, uh, let's talk a little hockey now um, in Bemidji. You graduated high school in 92, so I can imagine what your life was like in 85 and 86 when the Lumberjacks made it down to the state yeah. tournament. Did you go down to the tournament, the Civic Center? Did yep. you, I mean, there wasn't social media. Like, you didn't really know what the, the, the Civic Center was going to be all about yeah. and, the, and the environment. What was, from your point, like sixth, seventh grade kid being in the, in the building, your dad was the assistant coach? Yeah, my dad was the assistant coach at Bemidji for 20 years, and he coached with, a, with um, Brian Grand. Brian was the head coach up there was forever. Was he your coach too? He was, okay, yep. Right. And, and Brian was a great hockey coach, knew the game. He was a great player from Roseau, you know, uh, went all four years that he played high school hockey to the state tournament for Roseau, played at Bemidji State, has his number retired. So Brian knew a lot about the game, was a great teacher. My dad was a really good teacher and really loved the game and really passionate and, and was really great with kids. So I was always at the high school hockey games when I was a young boy, and I'd always go into the locker rooms after the game, and, and those guys were my heroes. Like, I wanted to be a Bemidji Lumberjack, and I wanted to be like George Palava, of course. You know, he was the one that everyone knew about. And but there was a lot of great players on that team. Darren Fossen ended there up was being a, a goal. Who was the yeah? Fossen went to UND, yeah, right? UND, yeah. Who was the goalie on that team? Yeah, Steve Peters. That's, was that the yep. Bob Peters' yep, kid? Yeah, Bob Peters' son. Yep. Oh yeah. And, and Steve really went to good. North Dakota, and you only unfortunate timing for Steve is he went to North Dakota at the same time as that Belfort. <laughs> Belfort. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, ran into that guy, but uh, Steve was a great uh, goalie. They had so many good players on the team, um, and uh, so going to Bemidji High School games was really fun because he always knew they were going to win. 
You always knew George was going to lay somebody out at some point. Um, and, uh, um, and then I always got to go in the locker room. A lot of times I got to ride the bus. I get to ride the bus to the game with the team and ride the bus home. And so it was a real thrill for me. All right. Um, not to touch on too much sadness, but here's the, the town's hero drafted in the first round passes away. Unfortunately, did that, that shoot, that shoot down Bemidji pretty hard. I mean, that must have hit the town pretty hard. Yeah, it was really hard, and it still is. Like, and I think you can see that. Like when you go up there for tournaments or Hockey Day Minnesota a few years ago, and they covered it. It's still something that is really a, a wound for uh, Bemidji uh, um, fans and Bemidji hockey players, just because George was so great. And and besides him being such a great player, he was such a good guy. Like he was like a folk hero because he was such a nice guy. He knew everybody's name. He was lovable. He was like the giant that. I remember he used to let me punch him as hard as I could in the stomach and I would throw my hardest punch and it just, you know, wouldn't even phase him. And maybe I was weak, which was probably the right. case, but, uh, but, uh, he just was that kind of guy that everybody loved. And, and then he was your hero because he was such a good player and he just was the toughest guy around too. So, um, nobody really would mess with him. but you knew he was going to go on to great success in North Dakota. They, they won the national title, which would have been his freshman year. He obviously would have been a prominent player on the team. I think he was slated to play on, uh, the right side with Tony Herkus, who was a center iceman, Bobby right. Joyce, who's a, a left uh, winger um, who played in the NHL for a long time. Stevie Johnson. Yeah. And then George was supposed to be the right winger on that line. And then, yeah. and then, you know, just again, um, the history on it is that you always heard that George would be there for one year, sign with Calgary. And then of course he'd have joined those great Calgary teams that were amazing in the late eighties, won the cup in 89. And, yeah. and he would have been a big, uh, played a big part on that team. It's really sad. So let's go, go back to the golf course really quick. Um, you're, you had a great uh, junior golf career. Um, you, your team won four state titles. Yeah. When did you play varsity golf? Seventh grade, yeah. eighth grade? Yeah, seventh grade was my first year, and um, it was really fun. Um, uh, I didn't really know if I'd make the team, but I did make it and uh, would play in a lot of tournaments. But, you know, it, it's not like I was an amazing player. It's not like we were winning tournaments because of me. We had some great players on the team, namely a sophomore at the time named Russ Simmonson. Oh, Russ, he was such a I – yeah. I funny, we talked about him before the show. I'm like, I remember him. I go, yeah. was he really big? He's like, yeah, he was 6'4". I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yes, that's the guy. Yeah. He was a great player. And Russ was a great athlete. Like, if you played tennis against him, he could – He'd beat guys playing varsity tennis and tennis. He was he had the best hand-eye coordination I've ever seen. He was a great athlete and was a great golfer. And he was one of those golfers that could go low. He could shoot 64 one day. Like he just and that was back before people played like that. Now like like uh, um, you watch high school golf scores and someone's shooting 65, 66. I mean, kids can go low now, but back in my day, like shooting 64, like a high school golfer didn't do that. Unheard. But Russ did it all the time. I mean, he he really was a great player. So it was, uh, um, he was another reason that I think, you know, I loved golf and loved playing golf and wanted to be good at it is because I played with him every single day in the summer and he, you kind of got pulled along with him because he was such a good player. I like that you're, you're saying it's Russ is the reason you were a great, great golfer wasn't because you were working <laughs> at or, or talented at all. It's good. Um, you guys win the state title like four times, did you yeah. say? And then your senior year, you didn't win yep. it, but you were able to pull something off that Russ and Izzy didn't pull yeah. off. You won a state individual. What was your, do you remember what your score was? Yeah. You, well, it wasn't you terribly scores. Low, yeah. what, what, Where was it? Was it, that, was it a bunker? Yeah, or Bunker was Hills. That? The first three years I made it to the state, state tournament, my, my um, uh, seventh grade, eighth grade, and ninth grade years were at Majestic Oaks. It, that's where it was when I was in yep. high school. Yep. And, and then I, they moved it to a really good golf course, Bunker. Yep. And I remember my ninth grade year, I actually played in the final group with Tim Heron. Tim, uh, and I think Tim, 
I believe Tim won it that year. I can't really remember, to be honest. But um, I do remember he snap-hooked one left OB on hole number three because um, he ripped out a big hook back in the day, uh, Tim did. And, um, again, the, the ball curved so much more, you know, with, the, oh, with yeah. a lot of golf ball. Uh, but um, – uh, and then my sophomore year, we switched over to um, Bunker uh, to uh, Bunker Hills, and yeah. uh, so my ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade years, we won the state tournament uh, as a team. And back then, there was only two classes. You know, there, was yeah. cl- there was one A, which was the small schools, and then two A. And Bemidji was in the was in the big school, so it was really fun for us because um, we had a lot of really good athletes playing golf. Uh, we were really competitive. We had a great coach by the name of Larry Perkins. Uh, who was very demanding. Like, he coached golf the way that... Coach football, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Like, you were never late for practice. You put in... It didn't matter if it was 32 degrees, you were practicing. It didn't matter if it was raining, you were playing. There was no... If you left the course early, you weren't playing in the next meet. Like, he expected you to be that way. And then he... Uh, then another guy named Jim Mergens coached. And even though Jim had a different personality than than Larry, he had the same expectations. And so we really had, like... It was really important... Uh, to be a golfer in Bemidji, um, and it was really, and if you were going to make the varsity golf team, you had to be a really good player, and you had to be really committed to being being a golfer, and so that was really, you know, the key to our success. I played golf in high school as, an, or in middle school as an eighth grader. I just remember it was really weird uh, leaving my middle school to go play with high school guys <laughs> and beating all the high school guys. I was no superstar, but I was better than these guys, yeah. and did you ever have the, that weird feeling like, like you'd you belonged on the course, but you really didn't belong in the car. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And and um, I have some funny stories, some great ones I probably can't tell. But when you're a seventh grader on a varsity golf team, you definitely aren't um, fitting in socially. And uh, we made it down to the state tournament. And um, there was a couple of guys on the team that were maybe doing something that you're not supposed Illicitly? to do. Yes, you could probably get arrested for it. <laughs> and obviously, being a seventh grader, I was not participating, but I wanted to be one of the guys. I wanted to be in the room with them. And and, uh, and so I was watching these guys do that. And then the conversation came around to initiating me because I was a seventh grader. And it ended up with me locking myself in the bathroom uh, in um, uh, the hotel for about two hours until I felt like the guys that wanted to initiate me had left the room. So there's some of those fun things that happen. I mean... Uh, you look back on it, and um, it's obviously stuff that you you know doesn't get promoted anymore. And obviously, no. we don't do those things in society anymore. But for me, um, it was really fun to be a young kid on the team, and I, I just always knew I could play. Like I knew I could fit in on the golf course, um, and and that's kind of all that really mattered. And then and then the time that I really felt good about me being there as a young kid was my eighth grade year. They needed my score at the region tournament. And to make it. To make it. And so my score counted. And so uh, that made me feel good and then made it down to the state tournament. Now, here's the funny part. Uh, I remember my first tee shot down at Majestic Oaks in the state tournament as a seventh grader is um, I got on the first tee. And Majestic Oaks used to have very long tee boxes. They could be very 60, long. 70 yards. Yep. And we had a really nice crowd around us. And they announced my name, Andy Brink, Bemidji. And I go to tee up my ball. I hit it, and I um, skied the ball so bad I hit behind it and chunked it essentially. And the ball went way up in the air, and it landed about 30 yards in front of me still on the tee box. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a, a crazy course. Yeah. That was where our, our our regional was and the state was. Yeah. And the reason I'm not going to tell you some golf brag story, but it yeah. comes back to hockey. My hockey, the hockey coach, sorry, my golf coach was 
Dave Peterson, the former golf yeah. coach, and the legendary deal, legendary yeah. uh, hockey coach, coached the Olympic teams. Yep. And I'll never forget, I qualified for the state tournament. I think it was in ninth grade, and he was yep. my coach. And he's like, I wasn't even going to pick you on the team, <laughs> and you made it to state. Yeah. And he, because I didn't have a driver, I was the only guy without a driver's license, I got to drive up to these matches in the same car as Dave Peterson. Yep. Of course, I just milked him yep. for all the hockey yeah info I could possibly do. And that's really what the great part of golf is, is you're not competing like in hockey. We have helmets on and we smash each yeah. other over the head. In golf, you're actually partnered with the people as you walk up and down the fairway. Yeah, really fun. And I think in Minnesota, especially the really neat thing about golf is so many of the people involved in golf are also involved in hockey. It's uh, insane. It, it, it's like Buzzy Christensen for so many years uh, coaching the Grand Rapids high school team. Yeah. It, it You know, here he's a ref in the WCHA. And, and so, um, uh, there's uh, so many people that are hockey guys that are also involved in the golf season. So I think that makes it really fun. That's like, uh, we were talking about Robin Anderson, yeah. you know, I know Robin from golf and you know him from hockey. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just strange. I, I watched Robin play at Bemidji state when he was playing up there that, you know, he was on that great Bemidji state team that went undefeated in 1984 and won the division two national title. And, and I went to a lot of those games and watched Robin play, and then later on had him as a ref in the WCHA when I was playing for Minnesota. The names that you and I could just rifle back and yeah. forth, the, just the connections, yeah. it's, it's kind of fun. That's why I really wanted fun. to do this podcast. Yeah. Like, it's, oh, yeah, I remember yeah. Russ Simonson. Yeah. Like, we just keep going and going. Yeah. All right, let's uh, switch gears. Let's go to the U of M. And it, you took a really odd route to Dinkytown. Like, most <laughs> people just drive yeah. from Bemidji down to 4th Street, right, and, and park their car. You took a really long way. Let's walk through through how you wanted to be a golfer and 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 hockey yeah. wasn't going to be your thing um you ended up at what's the what's the junior college in florida called yeah it was called indian river yeah so you went to indian yeah. river and you lasted less than 30 days <laughs> yeah it, it was probably the most confusing time in my life and uh, i can really identify with kids that are maybe in high school that don't know what they want to be in life or don't know what they want to do because that's what i was going through um, I had done well in hockey. I had made like the USA Select 16 team, maybe the Select 17 team, um, uh, made the U18 team and turned it down because I, at that point, I decided to go play golf. Um, I had got, I had scholarship offers for hockey. I had a University of Minnesota offered me a scholarship to play golf. Um, and um, I didn't know what to do. I was good at both sports. I loved both sports. I was really torn. I only played hockey in the winter um, outside of the USA stuff that, that you went to back in those days. Um, I never skated in the summer. I didn't do anything with golf in the winter. So I really was strictly seasonal in what I did. And so um, when I went down to Indian River in Florida, which was a junior college, it's kind of a stepping point to a bigger college. Um, I, uh, I got down there and I kind of decided at that point I wanted to be a golfer, wanted to pursue golf. And uh, it was just such a culture shock for me to be in southern Florida, coming from northern Minnesota. Right. And um, um, and. Then as time went on, I really missed hockey. I really missed it, and I wanted to be back in that environment. So I called John Means, who was a coach at the University of Minnesota. I said, listen, I'd like to come back. Do you think you have a spot for me? He said, yeah, we do. And he goes, well, you know, we'll try to figure out a scholarship here eventually. Um, got back to um, University of Minnesota, played golf in the fall, um, went to a gopher hockey practice with a friend of mine named Todd Hallett. He was on the golf, um, golf team at the time. 
We went to Mariucci. We watched a practice. And I, I knew some of the guys I'd played so with. So was them. this the dingy old Mariucci? Old Mariucci. Okay, yep. I'm trying um, to picture where you yep. were sitting. You sit up in those creepy bleachers e- in the yep. dark, basically. Yep, yep. Um, and, and it was great. And so sat up there, watched a practice, and I thought, you want to know what? I think I'm good enough to be out there. I, I should be playing hockey. And so, Did you kind of size up the, the, the way they skated? Or was it, hey, I played with that guy. <laughs> I play with that guy. Yeah. I'm as good as that guy. Or was it just the yeah. way they skated? I don't think I thought that way yet. I don't think I was like, hey, I'm better than everybody. I just thought uh, I want to play hockey and this is my only avenue to play. And, and if anything, I just want to go and get to go to practices and get to skate. That was maybe my mentality at the time. I really had no illusion that I was better than other guys on the team that I could get a spot on the team. I just wanted to play. And so I knocked on Doug Woog's door maybe the next week. Uh, at Were you old, nervous? Oh, super nervous. Okay. I mean, like, like I could probably barely speak. Um, and it was the old Beerman building. And um, he answered the door, and um, I introduced myself, and Doug acted like he knew who I was. I'm convinced he had no idea who he was, who I was. But I just, I, I felt confident enough because, again, I, I was a good high school player. I had made the USA teams. I had, I had, I had done enough in hockey where I felt confident that I could play. And um, uh, he said, "Hey, just come on out the next week." So I had to drive up to Bemidji to my parents' house, get my hockey gear. I hadn't skated since maroon and gold. Yeah, uh, in the March. previous March. Um, and I came out for practice and this is really funny. You've had, told me the story. I had all my Bemidji high school gear on white helmet, you know, blue <laughs> hockey pants. Um, my, you know, and these gopher guys are looking at you like who, like is I knew guy? a couple of guys. I knew Jesse Bertliot cause I'd played maroon and gold with him. I, I knew a couple of, I knew Charlie Wosley cause we'd played some USA stuff together. And, uh, so I could, you know, a few guys said hi to me and maybe made me feel comfortable. Scott Bell was relentless on me. He slashed me in the back of the legs. He would run me over. He would, you know, just, he would, he would essentially do whatever he tried to do to somebody to make him to quit, make him quit, which, you I know, can't imagine that. <laughs> He's such a nice guy. I can't believe this to well, be he true. Ended up, ended up being my roommate eventually, but, uh, and, and maybe that was good stuff because it was like one of those things that made me kind of decide, do I want to be here or do I not want to be there? And then as luck would have it, they started having a number of injuries to their team. And uh, next thing you know, I was in the lineup. I'm looking at the the D men that were on that team: uh, Charlie Wosley, yep. uh, Chris McAlpine, yeah. uh, uh, Eric Means. Yep. Uh, obviously, Dan Trouble was probably a freshman that year. He was year. a freshman. Travis, Travis Richards. Travis Richards was yeah. their big stud. I yeah. mean, he had thirty some points as a D. Yeah, Travis was the best. He was a fifth year senior. He was a captain. He was the nicest guy on earth, and he was a great player. And like he was kind of, one of especially as a freshman. He was one of those guys that you looked down the bench and you saw Travis there and you took a sigh of relief because he was such a hardworking player. He was such a competitor. He was such a good guy. And then, and then again, you'd look down the bench and see somebody like Chris McAlpine. And, and Chris kind of ended up being my D partner for most of my sophomore year. Um, but he was a guy that was so strong and physical tough. And, and tough and hardworking. Um, and then for me, having Bill Butters as the, as the D-man coach, because I started out playing D um, and then eventually switched to forward partway through um, my freshman year. Uh, but but he was one of those guys that gave you gave you confidence because first of all he was incredibly tough you knew of his reputation right. um, and and so you felt you know a little braver having him standing behind you and but he was a great teacher of the game and he didn't ask me to play like Chris McAlpine he knew that my strength was going to be get back quickly for a puck have my head up move the puck quickly jump up in the play you know angle people play defense the you know to my strengths. So he was a smart enough coach to understand what I was good at and what I wasn't good at, and then coaching me the right way. So 
Um, I really loved him as a hockey coach. And didn't you have some kind of like you and I know each other? You told me yeah. some story about like first couple of practices, like they you got bag skater. Yeah. They got bag yeah. skated, but you didn't right. have to do the bag skate or something like no, that. It was really funny. They had just played somewhere, and it was got maybe the second time they something. got swept. And they came back, and that was like my first day skating. Like that was my first day joining the team. And to maybe send a message to the guys, um, Doug skated them, and um, and I had to do the bag skate. And it was literally a fifty minute skate, and it was stops and starts. It was blue line back, red line back. You know, I think we used to call them Herbies. Herbies. It, it was over speed for you know whatever. And and uh, and Doug skated up to me maybe with about ten minutes left in the skate, and he said, "So when's the last time you skated?" And I said, "Well, March, maroon and gold." And he was like why don't you get out of here? He's like, like, how are you alive right now? So, uh, um, I got to leave like 10 minutes early and take my stuff off. And I was probably, uh, excited to get out of the rink without having to talk to anybody because I felt so out of place, you know, cause I'm, right. I'm not a member of the team. I'm out there in weird equipment. Um, and, uh, um, so it was really, uh, an odd start. How soon after the first couple skates did they give you your maroon breezers and, a, a regular helmet. Yeah, you know, pretty. Was it a week or uh, was it a couple yeah. days? I remember because um, uh, that's like you made the team. Because I'm sure the a lot of students come up and say, "I want to try out." And yeah. Doug said, "I'll give you a shot." Yeah. I think the funny part was like I I would skate with the JV team because there was a JV back then, and then I'd go skate with the varsity, and I'd get dressed in the junior varsity room. And um, as a matter of fact, Mark Barr, who you probably yep. knew, was my oh, yeah. was right next to me. Worked for the Gophers for many for years. Years. And Mark was in the on the it was in the junior varsity locker room. And he was a great guy. He made me feel welcome and comfortable. I think probably a few days into it, they started giving me Gopher gear just because they didn't want me to look like a Stupid. dummy. Look so out of place. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> it more than anything else. And then I'd play in the JV games. We'd play against Augsburg and and, yeah. and other teams. And then eventually, enough guys got hurt on the back end where they needed me to play, and I got to go up and play. My first Duluth. series was up in Duluth. You told me this story. And, and Duluth was the best team in the league. Um, they had Derek Plant and Chris Marinucci and John Roloff and Brett Hauer, and, and they won the WCHA that, that year. And I remember um, uh, the old, um, I can't remember what this, what the um, uh, TV was, was back then. MSC. MSC, Midwest You Sports told me Channel. that you had to skate across the ice or something. What we, was that for? We finished warm-ups, and they didn't have any pictures of me, any headshots. So as the Zambonis going around the rink, and doing the ice, and the deck is packed. There are 6,000 fans in the rink, and they're Bulldog fans because they have a pretty good idea the Bulldogs are going to beat the Gophers, right? And th that will be enough to track everyone, right? Yeah, and they are pumped. And here's this idiot Gopher player who skates out onto the ice as the Zam's doing the ice before the game starts, and I have to stand at mid-ice and look up at the cameras, and I have to stand there for, like, I don't know. It, was, it, it felt like three hours. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it was 15 <laughs> seconds. But it was the camera zooming in on my face, getting a headshot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fans were yelling at me, and I, it was the most embarrassing moment of my life. And then uh, I skated off, and you know I probably wanted to crawl into a hole. But then you play the game, and I remember I started the game on defense with Travis Richards, and uh, um, actually, you know, played, held my own, and we got beat. Uh, but um, remember leaving the game thinking, you know what, I think I can play. Yeah, I remember when you burst on the scene. There, it was like it felt like December, maybe, right? Yeah, sometime around then. It yeah. was wasn't right away. It no. was like you, I'm like, yeah, they, and and literally the announcers, MSC announcers, whatever. Literally, all only thing they had was played golf. Really good athlete. Played golf. Really yeah. good. Literally, anytime yeah. you got the puck or did something, and they would make rep mention that you played golf. Yeah. I'm like, don't they have anything more on this guy? Yeah. It was really funny. I, I do remember the first game. I skated off the ice after the first period, and the and the reporter wanted to stop to get me to do an interview, and 
of course, I had never done that before. And so I said, uh, no, we're not supposed to give interviews. And I kept walking. And I remember Doug did get in trouble because MSC was mad at him that one of the players told the uh, reporter in between, no, we don't give interviews. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but right. I didn't know any better. I didn't know that you give interviews in between periods. Well, if you're anything like your son, Bobby, <laughs> I, I would see, were you shy like Bobby was when he was that young? No, I wasn't. Uh, like Bobby he, was shy when yeah, he was young. And he still is. Like he's, he is a man of few words and, and I actually um, uh, could go on forever. Uh, and I, th- and I think a big part of that was growing up at a golf course, you know, cause I was constantly dealing with adults. Like yes. you're playing behind a foursome of adults. You're playing in front of a foursome of adults. You have to learn to talk to people. Um, but uh, um, I could give an interview. And, and sometimes when I watch Bob give an interview, I think, you could give a little more information, Bob, but he kind of <laughs> we interviewed him when he was like seventh or eighth grade at the Blue Ox. It was like yeah. it was painful, but he did. He pulled it through and he yeah. got through it, and yeah. he he did. He turned out just fine. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we could go on and on, Gophers, but this is the one where it, just, it literally jumps out at me. And you were the one who told me this story. Is you went from basically what was it, the Indian? What's the name of the golf yeah. course? Yeah, uh, Indian River. Indian River, right? <laughs> you went from Indian River. To a year and a half later, playing in the World Juniors. Where was the World Juniors the year you played? Yeah, in? it was crazy. Um, um, I ended up having a really good freshman year at the University of Minnesota, and then that summer we had to go down to San Antonio for they called it the Olympic Festival, and it was about three weeks of of kind of your prep work for the junior team, and and of course you're not on the team yet. You have to go down there and you compete against you know there's probably 80 guys total down there, and and then part of your of the um, process is that they watch you play the first part of the of the college season before they announce the team similar to what they do now. And, um, um, and so I was fortunate to make the team. Dean Blaze was a coach at the time. Um, and I, uh, I'd played high school hockey against Dean. He was the uh, coach at Roseau oh, yep. when they won the state tournament, 92, Billy Lund, Chris Gottsman, um, Greg, uh, um, no, Greg Lund wasn't there anymore, but, uh, uh, Dana Gunderson, Dale Gunderson, they had an unbelievable team. Um, and, uh, Dean was the coach. And so I'd maybe played a little bit against them. Uh, but I uh, got picked for the team. It was in Ostrava, the Czech Republic. And then and it was cool as we were back there last winter. My wife and I went because Bobby made the team. And 25 years later, in the exact same spot. There's no way. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't really know. Neat. I thought it, maybe I heard that before. That's yeah. pretty cool that you played in the exact same yeah. city. Um, what was the experience like? Did you know how, how important it was? No. Yeah, that's the other thing, and I, I look. The back. rest of the other countries is huge. Yeah. in the U.S., it's not as big. Yeah, and and that's just you know I, I sometimes wonder if I just if I just had my head in the sand, like if I just was so into my own sports, golf and hockey, and and maybe wasn't very worldly. But I didn't realize how huge the World Juniors were at the time, uh, because Canada. I mean, it's literally their premier tournament outside of the Stanley Cup is World Juniors. Well, that's how a lot of kids get drafted. Is out yeah. of World Juniors. Yeah, and I had no idea how big uh, uh, the how important the tournament was for like the NHL, um, right. and and how heavily it scouted it was, and and how guys get drafted out of it, and how teams that have prospects that are there, how uh, interested they are to go watch the prospect play in that tournament, and so I was oblivious to all of that. I just um, um, and again just. I don't know, small town kid from Bemidji. It's like I never got out of Bemidji or something because I, I just didn't realize when I was doing those things how important they were. Now, I knew how huge of an honor it was to represent your country because I had been able to do that in 16s and 17s. And and, and um, the 16s was in Lake Placid. 17s, we got to go to Japan um, and uh, get, did get to play against some great players like Chris Pronger and, and Paul Cree and guys like that. But I just, I didn't, uh, I didn't know how huge World Juniors was until I got there. Um, and then I realized how big it was. Was it packed, sold out? Absolutely packed. Um, 
Um, so it made a gopher game look. Well, you know, uh, not knocking while well, we're in the coronavirus era right now, right? Yeah, but yeah. back when I was playing for the Golfers, it was packed Sold every out. night. Well, there it was no North Stars, it right? Didn't ma- yeah, there was yeah. no. We were the only game in town. It didn't matter who we played. It was packed. And you were playing at night. the new Mariucci at this point, right? My, my freshman year was in the old rink, and the next three years were in the new Mariucci. So yeah. the new Mariucci, it's ten thousand yeah. sold out of it. So it's probably a, a, on the same track as that, right? Yeah, or? yeah. Um, you know, uh, the the one rink maybe over in the Czech Republic maybe um, was very similar to Mariucci in that maybe 10,000, 12,000, something like that was right. was capacity. So, um, and, and then one of the rinks that Bob got to play in last year uh, was a new rink um, that they have a, a professional team that plays in over there. So that was a little bit different. What non-Minnesotans were on the team that you kind of jumped out on, on your world junior team? Yeah, um, Adam Deadmarsh, who had a great yep. NHL career, and Adam was playing in the Western Hockey League, and uh, Richard Park was on that team. Yep. David Wilkie, who now is a head coach at Omaha, yeah. um, played for Montreal. Darren Quint was a defenseman. Um, he played um, uh, for Phoenix, or for Arizona um, for a little bit. Uh, and then a lot of the out-eastern guys. Um, Jay Pandolfo was on yes. that team, who's now in the NHL as an assistant coach. Uh, Bob Lachance, who played at Boston University. Um, Sean Bates played at Boston University. Um, Chris Hilton played at the University of Michigan. Um, and I'm trying to think, I think Ryan Sittler, who's dad. He's got the whole roster down here. Yeah, well, um, um, I'm sure there's a lot of guys uh, I'm leaving out. But Ryan Sittler was on our team. His dad, Daryl, was a right. hockey Hall of Famer. And then it was really crazy. I was out in Denver here a few weeks ago. And I was watching a youth hockey tournament, and there was a boy named Calder uh, Vargas, Varga from Chicago playing. Young boy, 12, 13 years old. His son's his dad's John, right? Dad's John, who was yeah. on the world junior team with me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, oh, and I think it's like the 08, would be the 08. Yeah, Chicago, Chicago Fury, Fury or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm watching Sad the game. Sad that I know that. And there's this little number 14 for Chicago, and he's a standout player. He's making great plays. And, um, and I turned to a mom who's... Didn't know who she was next to me, standing by the plexi. I said, who's 14 for your team? And she said, Calder Varga, and that's the dad of John. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's John Varga. I, haven't, I probably haven't seen him since World Juniors, but um, uh, he was coaching his son. And, and John was a really good player. He played out in uh, Western Hockey League. Such a small world. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right, uh, we could go on and on about your, your gopher career. You guys went to the NCAAs twice. But the one that really stands out to me when I'm – Digging through all these players, all these names, is you were in the Michigan goal game. Yeah. What are your memories of yep. playing against Michigan in that game? Yep. Um, you guys had beaten them earlier in the year, yep. and this was a game to make it to the Frozen Four. Yep. What are your recollections from that game? Uh, we knew going into the game it was going to be a great game because we knew Michigan had a great team, and they did have a great team. They had a bunch of guys who ended up playing in the NHL. Um but we had a really good team too, and we had a very senior-laden team. We were yeah, we were Brian older. Was on that team, yeah, Brian was our best player, and just was a go-to player, and just a guy that came through in the clutch all the time. We knew going into that, that game, it was going to be a great game. It was going to be a tight game. But we also had beat them earlier in the year, and we really thought we were going to win. Um, I had just gotten off the ice when Mike Legg scored the goal from behind the net, where he put up. You know, now it's called the Michigan. All the kids are trying yeah. to do it. Um, and I didn't realize how he had scored till the next day in the airport. We were sitting in the terminal about to fly back to Minneapolis, and it came across the screen, ESPN or somebody was covering it, and you saw him pick it up on a stick and put it in the upper corner. Uh, you know, after the game had ended, other guys had described what they had seen, but since nobody had done it before, you couldn't really conceptualize what they were talking about. Or that You just knew he knocked it in out of the air somehow. Yeah, uh, it wasn't until the next day that you saw the move that he made. And, and to be quite honest, like, we didn't even try stuff like that in practice. Like, like... No, you, you could have put our whole team out there. Nobody could have even done that because you never did things like that back in those days. You didn't try to do something like that. 
So it was really uh, an amazing move that he made, and it ended up being the game-winning goal, I believe. And yeah, and they went on and won the national title. But that we we really were at least you know we felt we were the best team in the nation, and we thought we were the favorites. And it just goes to show NCAA is so hard because you only have to lose one hockey one game. game. Yeah. It was a crazy. That was a one of the more frustrating as a fan. To watch, yeah. it's like this team was special. I mean, look at them, man. Yeah. Look, going through this roster, I mean, Eric Rasmussen, yeah. Mike Crowley, yeah. uh, Casey Hankinson, yeah. Ryan Kraft. Yeah. I mean, there were some really special players. Yeah, on like that team. like Eric was a freshman on that team, but he was like one of those freshmen that jumps into a team and you're not a freshman. They're just, right. they're just such well, a good player. Just look at him; he's yeah. a man. I yeah. mean, and he was so strong physically, but he just had a different mindset too, where he was playing really hard. He wasn't he wasn't going to pay his dues. He was going to try to go to the front of the line right away. And, uh, and Brian was the best player in college hockey, won the Hobie, uh, just was one of those guys that came through in the clutch all the time. It didn't matter where you were playing on the road, at home. He just was just had a, a knack for coming through in the moment. And then someone like Mike Crawley was arguably the best defenseman, uh, where he just was really dynamic and was a great skater, and, and his vision of the ice was so good. And, um, and, and a Dan Treble was like such a solid player. He just was such a good defensive defenseman, a, a good offensive, um, um, defenseman and, and much like Travis Richards of the same mindset of just being a really good person, a good leader, somebody that everybody liked. Yeah. Both those guys are pretty as, as knowing them through their, their, their youth players now. I mean, yeah. I'm like, God, these guys would be really fun to play with because <laughs> yeah. they're got great character yeah. they're good personality i mean they're yeah. i mean I, I know a lot of these guys and i'm like what a fun group of guys to play with yeah we we had so much fun and in, in, in that time in your life like you, you realize this as you get older things go by so fast you just don't even realize it as you're going through it and you, and you hear adults tell you that hey enjoy it it's going to be the best years of your life and you don't appreciate it but you look back on it now and they are really great memories but it, it's still fun you bump into guys now and you relive a little bit of the glory days and um, um, and, 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 and I was lucky. I went through a time with really some great guys. It's funny. This just dawned on me during the interview. You talk about, you know, the, you have only, you only have so many spots in college hockey. There's only 60 teams, yep. right? Back then there was probably 40 teams, yeah. right? Yep. So it's a really hard, I hate to say it, fraternity to get into. Mm-hmm. So think about it from a character perspective. Doug Woog can pick whoever he yeah. wants. So there's going to be... Those times were like, well, we're not going to take that guy because yeah. he's a donkey, right? Yeah. We're not going to take him. So when you really start to boil it down, look at this list of guys. They're all really good guys doing yeah. great things in their community even today. Does that, do you think that has something to do with it because it's just such a select group to make? Yeah, and, and, and I think it's even more true now. It's like, like it, it's, hockey's grown so much. There's so many more kids playing. You get, the kids get better at such a younger age now. They get scouted so much more. And, and I think these college coaches really do an amazing job of really doing their due diligence and finding out about people, their character, how they do in school, how they treat people, how they treat their mom and dad, how they treat teammates and classmates and coaches and teachers. And, and there's a, so many good players now that if you got a kid that's a really good player, but you do have some question marks about what kind of kid is he, they just move on so easy because there's so many other alternatives. And, and so it really is imperative, and it's something that I think – you know, youth hockey does try to do a great job of teaching kids is that, you know, how you treat people, how you act, your effort in school, how you help somebody that that really is is somebody who's in need, it does reflect on what kind of a hockey player you are as well. So, which I is agree. wonderful lessons, right? I mean, that's what sports, youth sports is supposed to be teaching kids is how to be a better person and make the world a better place. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, that, that's a great segue into after 
uh, college, you went on to coach, yep. um, and you coached a lot. I mean, like I said, we could do an entire podcast on yep. just your coaching career, yep. and people don't even know Andy Brink as a coach. They, oh, yeah. he's the guy who owns Breakaway, but yep. they don't realize how much coaching that you've done, yep. especially at the Pee Wee level, Pee Wee yep. and Bantam, I mean, a little bit of high school too. But walk through. You coached. Uh, you you coached with Fernie yeah. at uh, at Eden Prairie, yeah. and did you guys win a state title with Chad Rao, or just yeah. do really well? No, we we didn't. We actually we got beat in the region tournament by Bloomington Jefferson. It was the okay. craziest game ever. I think we lost eight seven. And if memory serves me correct, Chad might have had all seven of our goals. <laughs> he was he was one of the best, if not the best, youth player I've ever seen. His vision, his his puck skills were amazing. And and that was the first year I had ever coached hockey. I was a young kid. I just got done playing at Minnesota. Um, I turned pro in golf. I played for three years. We moved out. My wife and I moved out to Southern California. Um, I tried my hardest for three years, just wasn't good enough to keep playing. Um, and so we moved back to Minnesota. We moved to Eden Prairie. I, we had to live with my older brother, Steve. And so we lived in his townhouse with him because we literally had not a penny to our name. And I, and I um, uh, left a voicemail for Eden Prairie Hockey one day saying, um, I used to play hockey. Um, <laughs> I would like to coach, just volunteer. I just want to have some fun, get back on the ice, be around the game. And uh, a day later, um, Jim Fernholz calls me. And Jim was a PBA coach. At, they didn't yeah. have double A back yep, then. Yep, and Jim was a great player at White Bear Lake, played at Vermont. Yep. Um, and then Steve Orth was the assistant coach. And so these guys, I got to go meet these guys, and they said, hey, we'd love to have you coach. Um, but they also said, just so you know, we never miss. So if you're one of these guys that sometimes misses, you can't coach with us. Like, you're here every day or you're not here. I uh, love it. Which was awesome, yeah. And and I love that dedication because that's, you know, if you go through sport, through life as an athlete, that's how you have to be. And that's how they coach. And I really learned how to coach from, like, Jim and Steve. Like, they taught me how you communicate with kids, how you communicate with parents. And uh, it was really fun for me. And I was a young kid. And those guys are fun guys, too. Oh, my gosh. Great person. Anyone who's met Jim Fernholz knows he's the most fun guy maybe of Ever. all time. Yeah. Um, and um, um, like I told you earlier, the only person my wife has ever chewed out is Jim Fernholz because he let me have too much fun a few times. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, um, but I had a great time uh, with Jim and Fernie, uh, or with Fernie and uh, Steve Orth. And uh, then eventually uh, my wife and I, we bought a house in Chaska. And so since I was living in Chaska, I just felt like that's where I should be coaching. And then I started coaching PBA hockey there. You coached there, and then you got the Rileys, right? Yeah. Yeah. I coached for the, the first two years I coached, we weren't good at all. We just we were a PBA team, um, but we weren't very good. And the athletes weren't very committed. They were playing hockey seasonally at best and really not putting in a lot of extra time. And we weren't very good. We'd play Dinah and get killed by 10 goals. We'd play Eden Prairie, get killed by 10 goals. So it was really hard. And then the squirt group came through, coached by their dad, Mike. And and Mike really did a great job. Mike was the first guy out in that area that kind of let the youth kids know, like, you can be really good at hockey. Um, right. You can beat Edina. You can beat whoever. Um, but here's how you have to be if you want to be good. And so Mike really kind of taught that group of kids that if you want to be a hockey player, here's how you need to behave. And obviously his boys behave that way. But then there was other great players there. Nick Matson ended up being a great player, played at University of North Dakota. Tommy Burke was a goalie, played at Bowling Green. Um, and there was some other kids that played Division Three hockey off that team that were really, really great youth and high school hockey players. So then eventually I got that team. They moved up to me at the PBA level. And uh, they were great hockey players when they came to me. And and I hope I helped them a little bit. But we had a great PB team, lost in the state finals that year to Centennial um, and, uh, maybe if I'd have been a more seasoned coach, we probably would have won, but I was still a young kid and learning, and, yeah, right? still learning and probably didn't coach them. Maybe the way where you put your best foot forward to win. 
At some point in living in Chaska, did you come across this old codger, former gopher from the <laughs> mid-'80s who said he played in the Olympics yeah. named yeah. Dave Snuggerud? Yeah. Well, it's funny. The first time I met Dave— Really old. Really yeah. old. <laughs> you won't believe it, but at the time, he was a young guy. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, I met Dave. We were looking at our house. We just happened to build in his neighborhood that, that he already lived in. And uh, um, I knew the name, but I had never met him before. And I wasn't a gopher hockey fan growing up. I was a Sioux right. fan growing up. I grew up in Bemidji. Uh, North Dakota was a team that we cared about. So I didn't care about the Gophers. Um, and Dave came by one day. He was out walking his dog, and he introduced himself. And uh, and then we made the connection, and, and he knew who I was. I knew who he was once he introduced himself to me. I right. mean, I knew who Dave Snuggerud was and, and what you know how good a player he was. Uh, but it was our first time meeting each other. And then it was a great relationship after that. I mean, Dave and I... You know, it, it's probably to the point now where he's as close to family for someone not being family. And and uh, um, we've been in business forever. We um, Our families have been intertwined. And, you know, you know this from being around him. I mean, if you were if you were ever going to measure someone by the size of their heart, Dave's 10 foot six. He's almost too big sometimes. Yeah, he's just like the greatest guy ever. And But you know what? That's what makes him great is like he truly wants kids to have a great experience in life. He wants them to be happy kids. He wants them to be, um, pursue their goals and their dreams. There's no such thing as failing. You know, it's just information and, and that's part of the wonderful journey. And that's his philosophy. And Dave's, he's been that way since the day I met him. He's the most genuine guy. He's got the biggest heart you're ever going to meet. And, and he truly, um, loves just to see kids have success. Uh, you know, you, you, the way you describe him, you, you think of he's kind of a hard driver, but he's c- kind of like a Birkenstock, free-loving, yep. you know, very outgoing kind yep. of guy. But when the when push comes to shove, he's a very competitive guy. Yeah, well, that's what makes him great is that you know he's 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 going to let you know you know he does this with our with his with our students at Breakaway Academy every day, and he does this he does this with our alums, he does this with anyone he comes across. He's going to let you know he cares about you and that he's in your corner. But if you tell him, hey, I want to get an A in science, well, he's then going to hold you to that standard and he's going to make sure that you're doing all the prep work and you're going to act the way you're supposed to behave as a student than to get that A in science. Like, you can get an A. Of course you can. I don't care that you got a D in your previous school. You can get an A, but here's how you have to behave. And if you're not going to behave that way, I'm going to take something away from you. Like, I'm not going to be your best friend. I'm yeah. going to treat you. I'm going to hold you accountable because I care about you, not because I'm trying to be your buddy. We uh, put together this Great Plains team for 2004. There's a lot of great kids on this team. We have a big tryout. There's 100 kids showing up for this tryout. They're all there. All the best kids in the state are there. He doesn't have any pucks. He doesn't <laughs> have a whistle. And he doesn't have any hockey gloves. <laughs> and and. Yeah. Then he proceeds to tell all the parents that whatever tournament we were going to play in, he wasn't going to play to win. And I'm looking like, what did yeah. I just get myself yeah. into? Yeah. But when the door closes yeah. and locker room, we're ready to go. Unlike your, just like yourself, delivers some of the best locker room speeches, teaches kids yeah. stuff about life that have nothing to do with puck and stick. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that's what makes you guys such a good team at breakaway. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you hockey, golf, you name the sport. It's no different than anything else in life as any adult. And, you know, you learn as you go through life. Um, it, it isn't so much winning and losing. It isn't so much always accomplishing your dreams and your goals. It's how you go about your business. It's how about uh, how hard you prepare for something. It's 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 taking your knocks. It's winning. It's losing. It's failing. And then how do you do, how do you respond to those things? 
And so, you know, that, that's really a fun message to promote with kids and promote with families because that's life. And, um, and to be quite honest, it's just the way life works. Yeah. Uh, that there's, there's really no mystery about that. It's then just being able to hold yourself accountable where, okay, you want something, you don't have it yet. Okay, here's what you have to do. No, you have to go do it. Yeah. And, and you have to hold yourself accountable and like, don't come crying to me. You know, if you don't, if, if you don't put the effort in because you're not going to accomplish something, you don't put the effort in. And so it's a pretty simple formula. I mean, I think it's been around for about a million years. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't invent it. No, no, no. We'll, we'll, I want to talk a little bit more, but I'd love to talk more about your coaching, but we have to, I want to get to the school and talk a little about your family life. Uh, you and your wife, Holly, have been married for how many years? Yeah, 20 23. Plus, 23 yeah. years. God, yeah. that's a long time. Yes. I'm um, coming up on 25. <laughs> um, uh, how did you guys meet? Are, are you yeah. guys high school sweethearts? Yeah. Kinda. Yeah, we have like a crazy story, and like this is the kind of stuff that, for like me being a male, I find it embarrassing. But my wife thinks it's the greatest story ever. Uh, we actually both lived in Baudet at the same time. We both were young. I think I moved out of Baudet. I was four or five years old, something like that. Holly moved out of Baudet. I think when she was seven. Her family went to I Falls. My family went to Bemidji. Her family eventually moved down to uh, Bemidji, and that's where I met her. And I met her in fifth grade. Uh, we didn't go to the same school, but her mom owned a store in Bemidji called Kroll's. It was a sporting goods store, kind of like the way a Letterman's would be or a general yeah. sports. Um, and, um, um, and so she, she spent a lot of time there. Yeah. So and I remember the first time I met her, uh, I, was bring, my, I was with my mom. I was bringing in my brother's Letterman's jacket because he was running cross country. He got a letter. And I remember meeting her, and I remember thinking, not my kind of gal. And, <laughs> uh, um, and then I met her in sixth grade, and then she was kind of one of the popular girls. And, and then seventh grade, that's when we started going out. And, right. You know, like any little young romance, there's little, hey, I'm breaking up with you for the next three weeks and stuff right. like that. And, but I, uh, she's been unbelievable. Like, like having kids in sports, she's been the greatest hockey mom ever and uh, greatest sports mom. And just like, because uh, she just does anything for the kids. And and their happiness is her happiness, much like every hockey mom out there. I think all right. hockey moms are that way. But for me, she's been perfect. I just went deer hunting for a week, and she looks at me and she says, you know, if you want to stay up there for two weeks, you can. Wow. <laughs> and, and that's just the kind of girl she is. She's, she loves to um, – she wants me to go play golf. She wants me to go play – be at the rink as much as I can. She wants me to go hunting with my cousins and my, you know, relatives and friends. And so it's been a pretty good marriage that way. You said to me something to me a few years ago. It still sticks with me as a as a life lesson, and not to brag you up too much, but we talked about hobbies. Like 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 when we were kids, my parents had hobbies. They were into biking, cross country skiing, things like that. And I'm sure your parents were into curling in, in yeah. Bemidji or whatever. All the different fishing yeah. and golf and whatever hobbies. I think today, like. Our the parents of today's hobby is our children's sports teams. Yeah. Do you see that? Is that is that what you were kind of telling me a few years ago yeah. when you said that? What? Tell me, elaborate on that. Yeah. I thought it was great. I was yeah. like, to this day, I'm like, yeah. Andy Brink was right. Well, and I kind of remember that conversation because you know it's, you know, you go through life and you start making observations, right? And the observations are based on experience. You know, you you grow up hearing stuff and and you know you you go to church and you hear certain things. You go to school, you hear certain things. Your parents try to steer you on the right way. And then as you go through life, you experience stuff. Just one of the observations I started seeing, especially being a kid from Northern Minnesota, growing up fishing and hunting and golfing and playing hockey. Well, that's what my dad did too. He did the same things I was doing. And so, uh, you know, he was very rarely seeing me play hockey. Part of it is he was going, he was coaching the high school hockey team. He didn't right. always, 
he couldn't go watch my peewee games all the time. And a lot of times my mom wasn't always going to a game because she had my younger brother, Bob, or my older brother, Steve, and they were doing things. But she had friends that she did things with. And so it wasn't like, uh, now they, they were loving parents. You know, I wouldn't trade my parents for anyone on earth. They were the best ever. It's just that they had things going on in their life too. Like my dad loved to go to Lake of the Woods with his buddies and go fishing. He didn't feel the need to show up to my golf tournaments. Like, right. I'm going to shoot whatever score I'm going to shoot, whether he's there or not. Um, and now so, you see these movies about parents yeah, following their kids right. around the golf course, yeah. shot for shot. Yeah, and, and maybe there's some good to that. Maybe there's some bad to that. I couldn't be that way. And and like I was telling you earlier, like the year Bobby played Bantam, uh, played Bantam double A's for Minnetonka and then won the state tournament, I really probably only saw maybe five to six games that entire year um, just because I was coaching peewees and I was working a lot in the evenings coaching hockey and um, um, I just – you know, I had other things going on and I just didn't feel like I had to be there. You know, I, I've just always felt that way about my kids is that they've been fortunate to be with good coaches and be around good people. And, um, uh, no, I love watching my kids play. It's just that, you know, um, I, I think sometimes it's healthy for a kid to get dropped off and the parent leaves. We, uh, did a league this, uh, fall because we knew there'd be all these distance learning kids yeah. with nothing to do. And we made the league called players only yeah. because, because we wanted, we wouldn't let yeah. the parents into the rink. We just yeah. wanted kids to get dropped off, play, and yeah. we'll keep score for you. We're not going to keep any stats or anything like that. It was just an environment for kids to come and play and not yeah. have their parents looking over their shoulder. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you have the same subset of rules of breakaway as far yeah. as parents aren't allowed to come and watch practice, are they? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. We tell our parents all the time, we're an open book. If you want to come, wanna watch, come, if yeah. you want to come, great. If you want, because we have game day. Every Tuesday we play, we, we have a game day and it's, uh, we play full ice games. We play small area games. We keep score. We keep stats. We keep standings. We award a cool. trophy. Very cool. Uh, it's awesome. And the kids love it. And, and then the great part for us at Breakaway Academy is that if we have a student who isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing academically. They don't get to play. Or socially, if, if, they had a, if they had a moment with another student or with a teacher where they didn't do what they were supposed to do, we just pull that day away from them. That's the first day they lose. And, and for a lot of kids... It only takes one time for that to happen. They're embarrassed by it. There's tears. They feel terrible about it. Matter of fact, we had a great moment this year. We have a fourth grade boy at our school. His grandmother is a, was a former school teacher, and she showed up to watch him play one day, and he wasn't playing. And I had to explain to her what had happened. He had done something wrong in the classroom the day before, had shown a little bit of disrespect to a teacher, and so we were holding him off the ice. He's a great little player. He loves hockey. The grandma was over the moon that we held him to that standard. She said, you know, because she's a former school teacher. Yeah, she yeah, knows yeah. what it's like. And she was just so happy that we were doing that, um, uh, holding him to that standard. And, and so we're an open book at our school. If somebody wants to come and watch our hockey, come watch it. Um, we're proud of what we do. And, and we love the interaction with the parents. That being said, we hardly have anyone that ever shows up to watch. Right. It. I'm, I'm sure of that. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, we talked about your wife. Uh, you have three kids. Everyone knows at this point who your son is. If you're listening to this show, you know Bobby <laughs> is. The only thing I really want to talk about Bobby is uh, his name is Bobby. Is it really Bobby or Brink? It is, yeah. Not Robert? Yeah. No, it's Bobby or Brink. And, and, um, Why did you name him well, Bobby or Brink? You know, th- and this is one thing I do at schools. I teach a lot of hockey history because I really think that if you're going to be great at something, it really helps to know the game. And, and I didn't invent that. I mean, I grew up loving Jack Nicklaus. Well, Jack Nicklaus was a huge golf historian. He loved Bobby Jones. He wanted to beat all of Bobby Jones records. He grew up idolizing Ben Hogan. He wanted to beat all of Hogan's records and on and on on. I mean, that's how sports works, right? Wayne Gretzky's idol was Gordie Howe, and he right. wanted to beat all the Howe's records and all that. 
I just really feel that, you know, if, if somebody gets into a sport or gets into a game, the history of the game is so important to the player loving it. You know, right. saying, oh my gosh, I want to do that. I want to be a part of that. So I've always been such a huge fan. And of course, in Bemidji, we always got uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Channel. We got CBC. So every Saturday night, I was watching Hockey Night in Canada. Um, when we moved down here, I always made sure I bought like the special package. package you could get where I still got the Toronto feed and the Montreal feed. And that's what we did when my boys were little. We'd watch Hockey Night in Canada every Saturday night. So when it came to having Bobby... I really wanted to name him Billy after Bill Isleson from Bemidji because I, Bill was my idol and blah 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 and, and I just I wanted, you know yeah I love tip your uh, hat yeah, right? I want to tip my hat to Billy anyways um, and my wife said no you're not going to name him Billy we already have a Bill in our family I have an uncle Bill um, who was a lawyer in Bodette for many years and now lives down here and my wife just said there's already a Bill in this family um, and there's and so we're not going to do that you have a brother Bob well too. I have a brother Bob too and so. Um, uh, um, and, and then I, and then I'm such a golf nut. Like I, the other name for me was Tom Watson. Cause Tom Watson was always my golf hero. I wanted to be like, how could you have both Watson <laughs> and Nicholas's heroes? They were kind of rivals. Yeah. And then they became best of friends. Yes. Right. I mean, which is totally sports, how it's supposed to work. Uh, but so my wife had had a really tough labor with Bobby. She had hemorrhage, lost a, bl- a ton of blood, had to get a bunch of transfusions. So I think I really kind of ran this past her it. when she was... It in and out of consciousness. <laughs> nice work. Yeah. And I was really stuck between Bobby or Brink or Bobby Clark Brink. Cause I loved Bobby Clark too. And the best. And, and, uh, but I just went, I liked kind of how it was B O B was the initials. And it's really a dumb story, Tony. And it's probably embarrassing for Bobby, but at least as a dad at the time, I just thought it was cool. And so I did it. But the other two sons, Joe and Henry are named for hockey players as well. They are. And again, this maybe goes to my, uh, complete, being a psychotic at times, like hockey there, nerd, there might be something wrong with me, but yeah. uh, I was a huge Montreal Canadiens fan. I loved rocket Richard, even though of course he played a million years ago, yeah. but I loved the stories and the history. And so his given name was Joseph Henry. Yep. And so that's what I named Joe is jo- Joseph's name is Joseph Henry. Um, and then our youngest boy, Henry, um, I named after Henri Richard. So his name, his name is Henri Richard Brink, but of course you do the English version and it's Henry Richard. Henry Richard. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny, like when we do go places, if he has to have his passport and the person will say Henry Richard and I just, I just, don't <laughs> just go with it. Just, we're not going to explain this. Just you're Henry Richard. Oh, I yeah, love it. So it's I fun. love it. I love it. All right. We are running low on time. I want to just get in. We, we talked a little bit about Snuggy. I want to talk about the living out the dream. Like we we talked about my dream here yeah. of starting YHH ten yeah. years ago and where it, where it's gone to. Yeah. You guys are about two years behind me, but it's the same dream. I yeah. mean, you're working in hockey, you're working yeah. doing stuff that you love. Um, you weren't exactly the happiest professional running it before this. Yeah, you talk about it a little bit here. Now you're in a spot. You yeah. and Snuggy are in a really sweet spot with Breakaway Academy. Yeah. It's expanding. You're now. Is it K? Is it K through? Yeah, eight? it's first grade through eighth. First grade through eighth grade. Yeah. First grade through eighth grade. Yeah. I remember when it first started. It was less than twenty, less than thirty <laughs> students. Yeah. Twenty six kids the first year. Yeah, and, and 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 it's really been fun because like last year we added we added a summer camp as well. And yes. what we did to summer camp though is it was education and hockey. So it was summer school, which was really fun to get kids in a classroom and math and language arts and science and and do some great things like that. When Dave and I started the school. It was um, um, really something that uh, we didn't know how it was going to go. As a matter of fact, we really thought it might peter out. And because we were kind of bucking two systems a little bit. First of all, we were doing something with hockey that nobody in Minnesota had ever done before. 
we were doing a, a school where part of your school experience was going on the ice and playing hockey and training for hockey and working on your skills. Um, uh, and and I, I've really felt this way too. Like hockey parents, everyone secretly wants their kid to be a great player. Yep. And, and, and of course, I think all of us have good enough of perspective to understand that if your kid's not a great player, there's still so many amazing benefits to being a hockey player, right? The relationships, yes. the fun, the athleticism. Training. It's going to be with you the rest of your life. And then you get to share it with their kids eventually and so on and so on. So I think, but, but secretly, we all want our kids to be a great player. It's just that you know the journey's awesome. And if you don't get to where you're trying to go, you're still going to so many great places. Uh, but we knew we were going to get a lot of people that were going to be critical of us saying, well, who do you think you are trying to manufacture hockey players and trying to spit out all these great players? And then, oh, by the way, you know, public schools are pretty great down here, which they are. They're awesome. Yes. There's so many great private school options as well. And so uh, how do you guys think you can do education better than everybody else? Like, who do you think you are? You're trying to combine these two. Well, here's what we did know. We knew we loved kids. We knew we loved hockey. We knew we knew how to treat kids. We knew we knew how to inspire kids. And Dave had been teaching public school for 19 years. Dave knew how to educate in a classroom, and he knew it was important in school. So we knew that we were going, we knew that we had a knowledge base that most people didn't have. We knew that we were going to give the effort that we've always given when we were athletes. We knew we weren't going to quit. We weren't going to, we weren't going to fail because of our effort level. And, um, and I'll say like up until just a couple of years ago, Dave and I drove the bus every day in the morning after school, we served lunch, we cleaned the toilets, we did the, we cleaned the, 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 the classroom space. We were doing on-ice instruction. We were teaching in the classroom. Uh, you were doing the sales. You were doing the communication. You were, we wore every hat you could wear. And, um, um, and you look back on it now and you think, how in the world did we do that? Um, but it was such a labor of love. We loved what we were doing. We loved the kids so much. We knew the families that were coming to our school were so appreciative of our environment that we were pro providing, where the kids were coming to school. They were going to very small classes. We don't have a class over 15 students. So they get a lot of help from the teachers. Um, we have all licensed teachers. They all taught in the public schools. They all have their master's degrees. Um, we, we, we saw that the clientele was so happy. And then we started seeing what was happening with hockey. You know, like last year's NHL draft, you know, the top three Minnesotans were Breakaway Academy kids with Bobby and, and, and Jackson Lacombe and Drew, Drew Ellison. Yeah. And then Rhett Pitlick and Mike Kester went later on in the draft. And there's a bunch more coming. There's so many good players coming uh, down the line here through our school. So we, we just... We now that's um, got to be exciting. Like when you first started, I mean, this is uh, we're not to get too in depth with yep. the great players because there yep. are more than just great players that yep. go to your school. I don't yep. want I want to stress that 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 when people come to me and they say, "Would you send your kid to Breakaway Academy?" Yep. I said, "Well, I probably wouldn't have sent my kid to Breakaway Academy because it was twenty five minutes from my house." Yeah. But I would say if I wanted my kid to have a great education, I know that that Dave and Andy would take care of my kid yeah. educationally. The hockey would just be yeah. gravy on top yeah. of that. That yeah. would be my 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 way I would describe you. Like, go there for the education. Yeah. Hockey will take care of itself. And that's how we feel. And and, and listen, Dave played in the NHL. He, he he knows how hard it is when you get to that level. And and it doesn't matter. You know, you you there's you're getting the best guys in the world. And and I tried my hardest to get there and didn't get there. And, and, um, so you, you, you know how hard competitive hockey is at the high, at the highest levels. That being said, you want to take these young kids who have dreams and you want to be the person who looks at them and say, you can do it. Yes, you can, but here's all you have to be. 
And, and then, of course, you use hockey as a hammer in the sense that you know that what's going to really you know, be their path in life is education and how they treat people and their character is going to end up being the most important thing in life. And so you use hockey as a carrot, as like, here's a reward for the day. But you also use it as a hammer that, oh, you treated that other kid poorly. You may, you hurt his feelings by saying this. You don't get to play hockey today. And then you sit down and, and you're not in intention. You get no. to spend time with me. You get to spend time with Dave. And we're going to talk to you. And we're going to explain to you why how you treated somebody was wrong and how you don't want to do that again. And oh, by the way, uh, uh, the best hockey, Zach Parisi would not treat somebody that way. You know, so there's so many great examples in hockey. So what's most rewarding for us, without question, it's great to see the kids that are going through hockey. Um, but there's other areas you can go to become a great hockey player too. What's most rewarding for us is to see these kids that go through our school where you get a high school teacher from a public school or from uh, Hill Murray or from a private school, Benilde, that'll send us an email saying, you guys did a great job with this kid. Like the kids that have come to our school from your school, they're great students. They're, they're the nicest kids at our school. They treat people really good. You guys are really doing a great job with them. They don't even bring up the hockey. Um, right. So that, that's, what, that's where, for me, I know that we have an amazing product because we're, we're helping kids understand there's a lot more to life than hockey. Uh, there, it's really important to be a great student. It's, it's even more important to be a great person who treats people great and makes other people better. Um, that's the stuff that's with you the rest of your life, and, and that's the stuff that matters. And that's what's going to bring you joy. I mean, we all want, you know, want to be happy. We want our kids to be happy. Well, that's what's going to make you happy is being that kind of person. Yeah. Now, I'd like to go back and talk about making the meals, and it probably didn't feel like work. Right, <laughs> it did. <laughs> it did feel like work. Oh, okay, man, I'm telling you, it, it uh, yeah, but you, you knew what the reward was. Just the, the 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 day the day was a joyful day. Again, we were doing something we loved doing. It's just that I I loved being in a classroom teaching, and I loved sitting in a chair next to a kid talking to him about being a better person. I loved being on the ice, um, uh, teaching hockey skills uh, to kids. Um, I didn't love cleaning the toilet. No. But I knew I had to do it. So you right. just do it. I didn't always love uh, having to respond to a bunch of emails at the end of the night, but they're, your, they're the families you care about and they're kids at your school and everyone's kid is their most prized possession. So you want to treat them the right way. And so um, uh, it, it, it's probably like Youth Hockey Hub for you. There's things that you absolutely love doing that the interactions with families and and. And, and Tony, like you've done it right. Like you've, you've made people feel good about themselves and right. you've given kids opportunities. You've never been, oh, so-and-so is the best player in the state. I'm going to cling on to this kid. Right. You're just as happy for the kid playing at some other level of hockey that, uh, that just loves the game for the, for, because they love playing hockey. And so uh, I, I, think our, I think our companies are similar in that fashion. Very much that so. We've just, we've, when you're doing things for the right reasons, I just think the success and the growth comes because you're just doing it the right way. It's easy, that's for yeah. sure. And I wasn't trying to get the part where it wasn't work. And I was just trying to say that, it, like, <laughs> when you're when you're putting something together, you're super passionate about it. It doesn't feel like work. No, it it it, it doesn't. But it's it's also there, there, hey, it's like being a hockey player. There's there's going to be grind moments in your life. There's going to be times where you don't want to go to the rink, where you don't want to go to a workout, but you have to. If you're trying to truly be late, elite, you have to do that. And it it's the same way with any business. As as all of your listeners know that are successful in business. There's grind moments to your to your business. But there, there just was so many funny moments that we had. And we got to do so many fun things. We bring the we still, even though we don't get to this year with COVID, we bring the kids down to wild training camp every year. Yep. 
And, and there's always parts of the management team. When Chuck Fletcher was a GM, he'd always address our kids and our families and talk to them about life and hockey. And, and, and Chuck always did, did such an amazing job of letting kids know, you know, when you stop being a player, there's still an amazing life in hockey. There's so many great jobs. There's coaching. There's development. There's, there's marketing positions. There's sales positions. There's management positions. And so um, it was really great for our kids to know that, I'm going to try to play hockey as hard as I can. I'm going to go as far as I can. And if, and if I still love the game, I, I can make hockey my life. You know what you've done? You've done too. Thank you. You've yes, done too. <laughs> it's so been a pleasure. We can definitely go on and on. I want to go back to the, the golf course. I have a new segment. I'm just yeah. my first time I've ever done it. I thought yeah. of this while driving. Actually, back from Warroad, I'm doing a, a documentary on, on Native American hockey players yeah. in Warroad. And... Um, I thought, wouldn't it be kind of cool? Wouldn't it be, if you could do this, you could do this or do that. So I'm going to add this into my shows now. It's called, yep. if you could, and yeah. for you, your if you could is, if you could play 18 holes of golf anywhere, where would your 18 holes be? Yeah, I, I was lucky a few years ago to go to Scotland, and I got to play the old course at St. Andrews. And and honest to goodness, just because I'm a, I, I love the history of golf. Um, you know, Seve won his yes. know, 84, where he pumps his fist there, and and, uh, you know, Nicholas won the famous one where he threw his club up. Doug Sanders missed a tiny little putt to win. And yep. uh, there, there's so many amazing um, things. When you walked on, when I walked into the golf course at St. Andrews, you, f- you, you walked, you felt like you walked onto a tee box at a cathedral or, or like a, or like a cemetery almost. It, it is. It was holy ground. I mean, it, it, it was, I got to play 36 holes there and they were the 30 most, 36 fun holes of my life. I just enjoyed every moment of it. Um, if I could probably pay one round of golf again, I, I'm going to sound like a homer saying this, but the Bemidji Town and Country Club. It's really? Still, oh, it's still. Uh, wow. It, it's still I the think great, an Augusta is going to be your answer. Yeah. It's such, a, it's such um, an easy one, right? You know what? If I could play a round of golf again, and, and it would be like, you know, uh, my brother Steve, who passed away eight years ago, um, he was a terrible, terrible golfer. But he was my caddy. When I won the state open in, you know, whatever year that was, 96, he was my caddy, and he knew not, He hated golf. Matter of fact, he shot 99 in a, in a high school golf tournament one time, walked across the street in Bemidji, and chucked his clubs in the golf course. <laughs> and uh, um, persimmon, nice persimmon woods and really nice yeah. blade irons. And my dad made him go back and dig him out of Lake Bemidji eventually. But um, if I could go back and play a round of golf, I'd play with my older brother Steve just for comic relief because he hits snap hooks and shanks all the time. Uh, my brother Bob is a really good golfer. He played golf at Minnesota. Um, his little boy played in one of your tournaments yes, here. Yes, that's a, where we ran into him, yep. yeah. Um, and Bob's a great golfer. And probably Billy Ozelson, you know, at uh, um, in Bemidji. Because Bill, first of all, you know, Bill was, uh, he's such a great player. So you could, so it's fun to watch him play. I, I guess the other guy I'd have to throw in there just from my growing up would be Russ Simmonson, just because Russ so was. So it'd be Russ, Bill, and Bob. Yeah, and then I'd throw and my then, brother and Steve And your brother Steve gets to come. Fun. Yeah. He gets to caddy. He'd probably only play half the holes because he hated golf so much, but he'd, he'd be there, yeah. Oh, man, this has been a lot of fun. I've taken up too much of your time. I know you got to get to somewhere. Uh, it's been fun just to spit all this out. <laughs> I think pre-show is sometimes better yeah. than, than the yeah. actual show. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you coming. Good luck with everything with, with Breakaway Academy and the COVID and yep. all the other hockey yep. that's going on and we're yep. being hamstrung with. Yep. It's been a blast. So, oh, I want to thank you oh, because yeah. you've done a great job with youth hockey here in Minnesota. You. And you've provided um, a lot of kids with a chance to play and a lot of fun and excitement. And you've always promoted the kids and you've always, I think, given families like a really fun outlet to play. And so... You know, you can pat yourself on the back because you've done a great job for hockey here in Ah, Minnesota. I appreciate it. For Andy Brink, I'm Tony Scott. Thanks for tuning in to today's Lots of Matzah Pizza Pod.